When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Condon and Dennis Dick. On today's show, I guess we're just going to buy everything. Everyone is in a good mood. We all had a nice long weekend. We saw other people outside. We went outside. We saw places that are opening up. Businesses are opening and we came in and we just have our buying shoes on, and we're just going to buy everything because that is the sentiment here this morning. So we're going to talk about that theme and just how it does really seem like that everything is green. Uh, I don't see too much red on my filters here. So uh, it, it is a buy everything type of morning. This morning, our guest is Craig Johnson from Piper Sandler. He will join the show at 8.35. But I'll throw, throw it to Joel now. And Joel, tell us about uh, just how heavy the buying action was yesterday and I guess starting on Sunday night. Sunday night. I don't know if you want to call this uh, Lake of the Ozarks rally, uh, the rally, vaccine rally, a lot of different factors going into it. We'll discuss that with Triple D when he comes on. We're up 53 and a half handles, folks. Uh, opened up pretty much flat, caught a bid right away at uh, just under the closing price. And really before any of this news, before way before the vaccine news, way before the Lake of the Ozarks video, they were jamming this thing Sunday night. And they got it up to uh, 29.90. Took a little breather last night. Our pre-market high is 30.15. Keep an eye on that. And then uh, I got another familiar number for you guys. Right when the Fed started doing their initial pump of money into the market, uh, we went to 30.25.75. So that's been quite an 800-point round trip, but uh, there's an upside target for you. Uh, crew doing his thing, looking at the July, helping out, up 86 cents at 34.11. Who needs gold when you got a rip-roaring economy? Gold down 10 bucks at 17.25.70. Silver going the opposite way, up 16.7 cents at 17.86. And Bitcoin down $300, backing away from 10,000, 8,875. Triple D, going to bring you in here and... What a rally. I mean, it's the holiday weekend. Liquidity is at its lowest point. If you wanted to get the market higher, those Sunday night futures are probably the way to do it on a holiday weekend. We see it with Bitcoin. I talk about, you know, the manipulation there. I do believe there's some players that are pushing this market higher at those overnight. We've been talking about this for two and a half weeks. The overnight moves have been to the upside almost every single night. And then during the day, if you actually look at it, we've actually had overall losses during the day. 
So I don't know who's pushing the market higher, but it feels like it's just continued to be pushed higher. That's fine though. I mean, you think about this market, it completely ignores all macro, all fundamentals. And, you know, we don't care the companies are going bankrupt and we don't care the 2000 people were dying a day. I guess it's less than that. So we don't care. Or we definitely don't care about the COVID now, you know, that the, the, death, the, the, the death rate is less. So that's where we're at. We're at a market that just doesn't give a crap about bad news and it's going to find any excuse to rally. Um, that's why I said I think we were going over 3,000. I said that a few days ago. I think we're going all-time highs. I really do. Um, people are going to say, why aren't you fully invested then? Well, I'll be on, on my trading side, I will be. I'll tell you that. The long-term portfolio, I was saying this to somebody on the weekend, I'm bullish short-term and I'm bearish long-term. So I don't want 100% stocks in my long-term portfolio because I think everything's a mess. But I'll tell you, from a trading standpoint, long man yeah the you're talking about the liquidity and um i was looking i was doing a comparison of last sunday night versus this sunday night and it was about half of the volume just a little bit less than half of the normal volume so uh, what about so here's you know so obviously the volume is very light like just give us the overall contract numbers and then compare it to like what it is because what i've been arguing is that liquidity is so low, volume is so light overnight that you actually have, you know, the, 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 if you were going to push this market higher, you're going to not come in at 1030 in the no, middle of the day no. to push it higher because there's just too much action. There's too many participants. Everybody's, you know, enjoying their family, enjoying their weekend. So if you really want to jack this market higher, and we know our government wants this market higher, I don't know who is behind it, but I really feel like it's being pushed higher intentionally overnight. At least in the last couple of weeks. Oh, I mean, you. I mean, you cannot. You cannot uh, dispute the fact. I mean, the. Uh, and I'm going back to the 24th, and I'm, which was Sunday, right? And here's the volume on Sunday, Sunday night. These are hourly brackets: seven thousand, three thousand, thirty-five hundred, seven thousand, three thousand, two thousand, fifteen hundred. Okay, so you get the theme here, right? What, so this, well, okay, let's comparative. So those are just numbers. What is an average volume at like 10.30 to 11.30 in, in, in the middle of the day? So oh, we're trying to tell oh, you this train like 1,200 oh. contracts for the entire hour overnight. Okay. How many contracts are trading in a typical hour during the day? So we got to go to uh, the 20 Go grab any hour, middle of the day, what's up? Okay, uh, boom, boom, 85,000, 100,000, 57,000, 40,000. So 1,500 50, compared to 57,000 contracts in the same hour, like a, a, over an hour period. So you're talking 30 to 40 times as much volume? If you compare the overnight session to a busy hourly session, yes. That's 30 exactly. to 40 times. So if you, just the case, I'm just making the case. If you were trying to push the market higher, and I believe there are some participants trying to push the market higher, when are you going to do it? Are you going to go when you know there's 57,000 or 100,000 you know, traded contracts here and it's going to take you billions of dollars to push it higher? Are you going to go with a nice little overnight session where, oh, we got 1,500 contracts traded and the liquidity is lower? You're going to go to where that's low liquidity. And if we've seen the action the last couple of weeks, they're just pumping them up overnight. So, you know, the trading strategy is long overnight, I guess. Long overnight. I don't know if it's short during the day, but it's definitely long overnight. It's been working very well. So whatever it is, whatever the reason for this rally, you can't fight this tape. 
I mean, when the market won't go down on as much bad news as we've had, we, you know, we got Hertz bankruptcy Friday night. Nobody cares. We care about Hertz. Nobody cares. HTZ gone, bankrupt. Doesn't care. You'd think, oh, okay, well, maybe Avis Budget's having a sympathy move. Hell no. We'll buy Avis Budget. We'll just buy that too. It's the same exact business model, very similar to it. But you know what? What's bad for Hertz has got to be good for ages. Less competition, right? So let's just buy car. I mean, that's the way this market is. I, I'm not going to argue with it. I'm going to buy argue if you're buying car right now. I'm not going to argue with you if you're buying anything. I think the market goes higher. I'm not buying the market when it's up 500 points, but we pull back tomorrow, which we seem to always do. We're yo-yo. We never go straight up. It's a buying opportunity. The market just wants to go higher. We're going to have China headlights. Here's going to be the headlines that are going to bring us down on the little overnight dips. We're going to get into a trade war with China here again. There's no doubt about it. You know, with the way Trump, he's going to be tough. He's got the market higher here now. He can play a little bit tougher. I mean, so you're going to have China headlines that are going to come in that are probably going to be negative. Obviously, you know, we have the delisting, you know, potential on some stocks. It's always going to be some negative headline to buy the dip on. But those, those dips just appear to be buying opportunities. I'm not going to argue with you. The best strategy in the last 10 years has been to buy the dip. I screwed up by not buying that dip back on May 14th after, I, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, we were going to pull back, but I did not reload my portfolio and I should have. So my mistake, I, I'm going to stay on the bull camp here until this market tells me to get the hell out. And, and it's uh, not telling me that right now. And I think also, I think once you get the ball rolling in one direction overnight, I think it's, uh, I think the algos catch it, right? And they can just, you know, keep the momentum going. So, you know, all you need to do is, uh, you know, is just get it going. Just get it going a little bit. And then with the less yeah. volume, lifting offers. I mean, especially if you have, uh, you know, if you have uh, software that's reading the book and the matrix or whatever, and you see like these thousand lot bids underneath and the spoos overnight, you know, they're going to they're gonna pick up on that. I have not been looking at the ladder overnight, but I, there's a lot of different factors that are going into it. And, uh, you know, the drug news on top of it, because that was the first thing I was like, oh, we got good vaccine news. I'm like, well, the spoo's been rallying it since Sunday yeah. night. And that news, uh, that wasn't out there. So it's uh, a lot of interesting dynamics. I'm just looking at the 30.25.75, March 6 high. That was uh, – that was the day, I think the Fed, I don't know if they went from went to zero that day. I did look at it, but um, I remember that watershed mark, and then we hit, that was a peak. So quite an 800-point round trip, but man, blink your eye, and, and this is where we're at. This is this market. So it's hard to, you know, and then you see those videos over the weekend. You can call it the, yeah. the, the Ozark Rally great show by the way on netflix but you can call it that's i can't stop thinking about you know the show when i hear about the ozark but you see all the videos of the people out there just enjoying the weather and they're out there just giving her like there, there's no real worries about social distancing uh from those videos of everybody swimming in that pool at the ozarks spencer uh i mean you were arguing the same point too right off the hop i mean this is just uh the rally could also be attributed to a certain extent to reopening everybody's excited for the reopening and they're seeing videos like, man, we're getting back to normal here. There's been, you know, a yeah. third of my Twitter timeline has been calling for the reopening ever since we shut it down. So a lot of people are very happy about this and the reopening is good for stocks. There's no doubt about it. The question is, is there, are we going to stay reopened? Are we going to have to go back? We don't know the answers to all those questions yet. Um, I'm obviously still have a lot of concerns or I wouldn't have as much cash in my portfolio, but it's been a mistake. I mean, it's been a mistake to not be buying every single dip that we've got. So will I buy dips? Probably. 
on my long-term portfolio. I'll probably be buying dips, trying to get cash back to work along with every other money manager. So they've all got the same problem that I do that obviously, you know, I have the luxury that I trade. So, you know, I'm already, you know, I can buy and sell stocks and, you know, I have a trading portfolio as oh, well. Yeah. But from an investment standpoint, I'm very underweight and it's an issue. And I'm probably going to be looking at earnings opportunities, different stocks, just like CyberArk last week pulls back. I'm like, I need to, I need to get stocks. So here I got a 20 point pullback in a good company. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy the dip. And you know what? It's already paying me. You know, I did the same thing, you know, with Target originally. Every time we get an earnings dip on something on a decent company, I'm buying it. But today isn't even really a rally of, uh, of you know, all the good companies. It's a rally of the trash. The trash is rallying, the it reopening. Rallying Friday, That's why it so. really is a reopening rally. Look at Boeing. Boeing up 5.7%. Look at the airlines. They're all up 5, 6, 7% here this morning. So this is more of a dash to trash than, you know, you look at Apple this morning and it's up. It's up 1.5%, but not even up as much as the market. Amazon only up 0.67%. Again, Amazon, not so much of a play on reopening. So a stock like that isn't going to participate as much. So it's interesting, interesting dynamics, this market. Uh, Spinner made a point here that um, a lot of people, I mean, over the years, except for like the last six months or whatever, a lot of people go home short on the weekend, right? There's a lot of negative things that can happen in the European market. So uh, that could be another factor, you know, short Ooh. covering. Uh, I would know, not people, want to be short this market. I, <laughs> and, and I've been saying that for a while, you know, yes, I've been underinvested, but being short this market, you are Ooh. fighting. Just look, you know, at a stock like Disney. They slashed the dividend to zero. I don't know if they've even ever did that. It's just suspended, obviously. They're going to get it back eventually. But, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, the parks aren't open. It's 38% of the revenue. The movie studios aren't making movies right now. I mean, there's so much. And, obviously, we're just pricing in that. We think it's all going to go back to normal. It's $120 a share. And don't tell me it's all because of Disney+, Plus, because it's such a small portion of the revenue. But it doesn't matter. I mean, Disney here is back to the highs that it was making before we had the Disney Plus rally. It's right back at its all-time highs if you get the Disney Plus stuff out of there from 2019. Correct. So, yes, Disney Plus helps a little bit, but it's not a difference maker at this point in time for Disney. Um, you know, they're burning some significant cash right now, but none of that matters. None of that matters because we're all going back to normal. That's what the market thinks. Probably, you know, maybe that's the case. I hope it's the case. I hate being locked down, but I, I can't, you know, rationalize coming and buying stocks for my long-term portfolio and investing in Disney right now. I can't rationalize it. So that's why I'm not doing it. I can rationalize buying a Microsoft on a pullback. I can rationalize buying even Apple on a pullback. I can rationalize buying Amazon on a pullback. I can't rationalize coming in and buying Disney because it's not even really down that much. It's not even cheap relative to really where the earnings were just last year. And I think it's going to take years for them to get back to where they were. So it makes no sense to me as a stock like Disney, but there's lots of stocks that do make sense. So we can go to some individual issues. Well, there's also the talk with Disney that uh, they're in talks with the NBA. Yeah, I've mentioned that to, to you, Dennis. To go resume, ahead. Yep. Resume yep. the season, uh, basically on an island in like like just in Disney World. They're going to just, everyone's going to decamp to Disney World, and they're going to play out the season. At, at Disney World, essentially, just a playoff, uh, just the top sixteen teams. Uh, well, they, they haven't really, they haven't really decided yet. But yeah, yeah, which everyone's been clamoring for, anyways. I mean, if you're an Eastern Conference team, you're going to get the boot here for the Western Conference team. But uh, uh, I mean, 
and also just going back to that, you know, the normalcy of the weekend, I did uh, some social distancing golf, but I usually do that anyways, because like when I'm on eight, my ball's on the nine fairway, you know, when right. I'm on 11, 12, right. and then um, also, you know, I actually got in the pool for the first time in three months. So uh, did I think that would parlay into a 55 point rally in the S&P's? Uh, not, but uh, hey, I mean, I, got that pool I, went, Ozark. That's the I went to the store. I went to the store. I haven't been to the store. You in went months. inside a store. I went inside a store. I mean, I was wearing we a mask. Up? Yeah, but I went. I went to. I haven't been to a store probably. I don't know. March. I haven't either. I haven't been into a physical store. Yeah, I actually, I went. I actually, last week was the first time I was anywhere. I had my. I everybody knows if you've been listening to the show. I've got glaucoma, so my parents have this genetic thing. I had my one-year checkup since I had my glaucoma surgery. I was supposed to have it at six months, but it got the, the doctor wasn't around, and then it got pushed, and then the offices were closed. So they wanted to check it. I was honestly scared to death to go into that office, but I did it. I masked the hell out of myself, and you know I did everything I could. I actually put on two layers of clothes, and you know call me paranoid, but I think a doctor's office and an eye doctor, you know, sounds like not that clean of a place, and it didn't appear to be that clean to be honest with you either. But you know, I really, you know, that was the first time I was anywhere too. And, you know, I put, I did as much as I could. I put two layers of clothes on, gloves, you know, the surgical gloves. I had my mask on, even a goggles on for a bit. And then, you know, they look at my eyes and they're very nice in there. But I mean, it's a lot of people coming in and out of that place. So, you know, it's a little bit concerning, but you know what? I mean, we've got to go and take some risks here eventually. Am I going to go yep. swimming in a, in, a, in a pool with a thousand other people? No, but the people, we've got to start taking some risks. There's no choice in the matter. We do need to eventually get back to some normal course of life. So, I mean, that's where the market's rallying is that we know it re people it's reopening and people are going to start going out and people are going to start doing stuff. And that's good for business. So, and if and infection rates stay low, I mean, we, we could potentially, you know, see some light at the end of the tunnel. Here. I, I would even argue not stay low. I would even argue as long as infection and death rates don't go back don't to skyrocket. Don't, as long as they don't exceed mid-March levels and late yeah. March levels, then I then why shouldn't we, why shouldn't the market go higher? I mean, what is there, we have our worst case scenario to date is what we saw in mid to late March or in early April as far as death rates and active cases. And, and so that, that, that curve was flattened and some, some places has gone down. So why shouldn't we be excited here? I mean, as long as, as long as it's not getting worse, you know what I mean? There is reason. There is a reason for optimism. It's just the fact that people think stocks are cheap. You know, and yes, yeah, some stocks are very cheap. I mean, when you go and, you know, people are saying, oh, I was calling Boeing trash. I'm saying all these stocks are in ground zero. You could say the, the company's not trash. Boeing's great people work at the company. I'm not calling the company trash. I'm saying the stocks have been trash. The stocks have been trash. You know, the, the, the chart shows you that. Boeing's been in a lot of trouble for a long time. The airlines have been trash stocks for a long time. You know, where they've, you know, they've had some, they're having nice rallies here, but they have not participated nearly as much as some of these tech darlings. So yeah, some of these stocks are cheap. I mean, if we do go back to our normal course of life, some of these stocks are very cheap. So, you know, if you think, you know, we're going to all start flying again next year, th there's probably an argument here to buy all these airline stocks and to buy Boeing and stocks like that. I argued last week to buy Boeing uh, that I, I gave you, you even a no, trade setup. Yeah, I you gave you a it. trade setup, a 133. I gave you a trade setup and said I would stop out at that low of the move 125. I said, maybe it's not for me because I don't want to risk eight bucks, but here it is. It's 145 now. It's 12 points higher. So, 
it's turned. I mean, they're looking at those stocks now too as buying opportunities. The money managers are like, what hasn't rallied? Let's buy that. And that's what you're seeing here this morning. People are jumping into those stocks that have not participated. So maybe I shouldn't call them trash stocks. I'll call them laggards just because some people are taking offense to me calling them the trash stocks. Laggard rally then. They've been lagging the market significantly. There's a lot of laggards out there. You know, some of your oil companies, your restaurants, some of them are starting to show some life. I mean, Halliburton has had a significant rally since the lows. Still way off from where we were in February, though, where you look at some of these other tech stocks and they're trading way above. So, it, I mean, it, there's opportunities out there if you believe everything's going back to its normal way of life. I don't believe that's why I'm not buying these stocks. But Dennis, I could be wrong. So, Dennis, so you agree with uh, the point that someone made in the chat that you want to punch some of these charts in the face? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> they said Dennis wants to punch some of these charts in the face because they don't make any sense. That's well, totally true. I mean, some of these stocks have just had such ridiculous rallies, valuation. I mean, Shopify has been unbelievable. I said it's going to 1,000. It is. It's, it looks like it's going to 1,000. I said this 150 points ago, and I'm mad at myself that I sold some of it. So, yeah, I'm frustrated as an investor here because, you know, I try to – I trade with momentum. I trade with the flow. Completely different animal. Trading is fine. Like, and, you know, people think, oh, Dennis is doing really bad here right now, and I've said it before. These are my three best months of trading in a decade. Boom, boom, boom. Like one, two, three out of the – so take the last – what is it? You know, 12 months in a year. So the last 120 months, my best three months, one, two, and three are March, April, and May of this year. So my trading is awesome right now because I'm, you know what? I'm trading in efficiencies. I'm buying and selling. I'm scalping. I'm doing other things. My investing has sucked, completely sucked because I haven't participated in this last month and a half. So despite, you know, doing very well in my trading, I should have been buying every dip and I've been underinvested. I got out. My January and February were much better than other people's because, or my March, because I didn't lose the kind of money that other money managers did. But I didn't get back in. And that was my mistake is I didn't get back in. And I should have just went all in, but I didn't think the coast was clear. Apparently, I was wrong. So I should have been buying those dips in my long-term portfolio. And you I know who our guest, you know our guest is today, Dennis? Ways. You know who our guest is? Who's that? Craig Johnson. Oh, great. And Craig's been right. I mean, Craig's been right on this from the long perspective. Um, it's been a choppy road here, but he came on when we were SPY 280 and said, buy stocks. Craig's been absolutely right. So I want to see his argument. I've, he's tur I've turned. Like, I think we're going all I, – I don't see why not. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to go all in on the market here on my investment portfolio because I can't logically make sense of it. And I trade on logic. I invest on logic and I trade on feel. My feel is that this market just wants to go higher. You can, everybody can feel it. I mean, we don't have any reason. What, what, you know, you look at beyond me, you know, looking at this flyby. Does fundamentals matter on beyond me? No. It's sit here. Look at the trading. It's sat here and consolidated here. So let's just talk it technically. It's sat here in consolidation station for a week and a half. Which way do you think this thing's going to resolve? Just from a chart. Don't think about it as beyond me and trading with a ridiculous valuation. Yeah, it's, it's going to uh, consolidation move it's higher. Consolidation yeah. station. I think it's going to resolve higher. I think beyond me, it's going to go break out here again. And does it make fundamental sense? No. But does it make trading sense? Yeah. It's in consolidation station. It's ready to go. So it's tough, you know, to, to always have two different hats on. And maybe I should just take my investment money <laughs> yeah. and let somebody else manage my investment money because I can trade a lot better and I can invest. I'll tell you that much because from an investment standpoint, um, I'm underinvested, no doubt. 
All right, we did have some vaccine news. I know that we're, it's definitely a secondary to everything that's been going on in the market, but uh, you know, uh, Lisa and I were talking about some stocks, and she 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 mentioned Pfizer to me. She's like, you know, because of uh, you know their history, and I said, man, that stock we owned it for a while. It's gone nowhere. It's trading up today, but. I think she was on the right path, but uh, Merck, Merck up 334 today, 7971, couple acquisitions. They're getting involved in the, uh, getting involved in the vaccine process. Yeah, so Merck acquired a vaccine company, Themis Biosciences. They also announced a collaboration with IAVI for a coronavirus vaccine. So they're jumping in. And then Novavax this morning announced it has begun its phase one clinical trial of its coronavirus vaccine. So two positive headlines, uh, definitely helping with the general sentiment this morning. I own Merck in my long-term portfolio. I've had it in there for a decade. I'm probably going to stick with it, although I have sold shares out of there. I haven't held them all, but I'm probably sticking with what I have. I'll tell you, though, I wouldn't be buying Merck up three bucks on this news, uh, especially because this, isn't, this company's held up the whole time. I mean, if we really think we're getting out of this, these drug stocks that have been leading the charge will not lead the next rally. So if you think good we're point. stuck, then there's still going to be a good place to hide. So if you think we're going back in the lockdown, the re- reopening is going to fail. But if you're buying Merck on, as a play on reopening, I think you're wrong. I think this is the kind of stock I would actually sell in the rallies. The drug stocks, I would actually sell in the rallies right now for the simple reason that this market, you know, is, you know, got the bold hat on and drugs are a more defensive play. So nice rally for Merck on a defense, on a, on a risk on day. As a day trader, I'd be selling Merck. Uh, well, you would have been selling it at 81 when it popped up there at, uh, between 7 and 7.15 this I would have morning. Been looking at it. Yeah, uh, good, good volume. I uh, came back and I was making another run up here at 80.20. I think I'll just keep an eye. We had a high last week at... 81 even so you're oof, i don't know if we're gonna get there that's a buck 40 away we got the last week's high use that i mean that coincides with the pre-market i i think the longer it takes to get to 81 you might give some back some of these gains and pretty thick stock i don't know what you have holding you down at the book maybe it uh, looks like might not even open over 80 bucks dennis you see i think you probably got size at 80 i don't have the yeah. book open jv spec if you're there um uh, there, there could be some size at 80. I wouldn't be. Yeah. Surprised. I mean, that's and what we talk about on these kind of trades is, you know, they're stocked. They're good till canceled orders on the New York book. They're put in a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month ago, whatever. Or we did trade up to 81 last week and then traded as low as 76. So uh, they'll say, hey, if this gets back to 80, I don't care what the circumstances are. I want to sell the stock. And so you'll see some good GTC orders um, at the different levels. And, and that can uh, stop the rally. Like, that I mean, can it's stop still, the rally. If you just think about it, you know, if you want to put it, you know, to a metaphorical standpoint, I mean, sure. you've got, you know, you've got trading and it's all kind of open. And then all of a sudden you've got like, you know, carry price goaltender here, you know, huge stopper and it's going to, you know, bounce around the puck. But, you know, when it gets to this point, it has trouble getting through the goalie. So these big size can actually be like, you know, these big orders on the book act like a goalie to stop the puck and it bounce off there, bounce like shoot enough times out, eventually get the puck through and the stock can break out. But usually the first or second shot, I mean, these goaltenders save 90% of the shots. So when you get big size in the book, and we're just speculating because it's a big whole number on Merck, that it takes a lot of money to push it through those prices. I like that. I like the old sports metaphor there, Dennis. That was a good one. I got to throw a Canadian. I got to throw in the hockey. 
So now, so two questions now. Uh, one is sort of readjusting uh, pricing based on lowered earnings or, or how, how the adjusted earnings are going to impact uh, pricings and valuations. And two, if we're going to buy everything here and we're going to bet on a general reopening, well, there are going to be some industries and some trends that just never come back, right? And those might get bid up now in the short term, but they will never come back in the long term. So the challenge will be finding those and not just buying up everything, but figuring out which of those industries never come back. What about Avis budget? So we see Hertz go bankrupt over on Friday night and you got car here getting bit up again and you know, it can squeeze them for a bit, but this was an industry that was already under attack from Uber and Lyft. It was already under attack, you know, and if travel stays down for a while, I mean, this is the kind of stock that might not bounce back. I mean, even your oil companies and stuff, you've got to look. What I want to own going forward are sectors that were actually performing okay before this whole COVID thing started. I don't want to go and buy Macy's here at $5.42. Could it go to seven or eight bucks? Sure. But let's be honest. Macy's feels like it's going the way of JCPenney. And, you know, you got a big box store that was already under attack. It was already, you know, you can see. You know, look at the chart from the last two years. Before COVID started, in the last two years, Mesa went from $35 to 15 It was sitting near a 52-week low when COVID started. This again, okay, we get out of this. It's going to help Macy's a bit. and Maybe you, know, you get a little bit of life. But at the end of the day, people like shopping online. And you know what? A lot more people like shopping online after this. There's people who didn't shop online that realize how easy this is. And the Amazon, you know, shows up at your doorstep. And they're like, this is awesome. This is so much better than me going and having to go to the mall or go to here and get my thing. I just go online. I find what I want. It gets delivered right to my doorstep. So online shopping is not going away. It is going to continue to dominate. And if you are fighting that trend, um, like some of these big box retailers, you're in trouble. So those are stocks I would stay away from. But there are opportunities out there. And, you know, there are still some stocks that are cheap. The question is, you know, that people have been pretty smart about it. They've really rallied the ones, you know, obviously the Shopify's and stuff have really rallied the online retailers you know, that focus on that. Yeah, they've really rallied. Would I buy Target though on a, on a more significant pullback? I sold it because I thought it rallied too much. It's about five bucks from where I sold it, four bucks maybe, lower. Down to 110 again, I get interested. Would I buy Kroger down around $28, $30? Probably. But, I mean, there Dennis, is opportunities here. Dennis, I think you need to realize that maybe that you, you might not get that chance on certain stocks. You always get the chance. And this is the flawed thinking. So I have, you know, invested for a long time. You always get another chance. There'll be stocks to buy. Don't kid yourself. People, this is what FOMO is made on. They think if I don't get on this train, I'm going to miss the boat. And this is going to be my life opportunity. There is another trade every single day. You never have to chase. This is how I've been in business for 20 years. If you're panic buying, you almost always are going to be buying at a poor price. If you're jumping in today because I have to get in, we're listening to Dennis. He said we're going to all-time highs. I've got to buy <laughs> stocks today because this is it. I'm saying buy dips and sell rips. You know how many dips we've had in the last couple of months? There's been a lot of dips. We'll get another one. There's going to be a China headline coming. That's going to be yeah. the next thing. That's going to be the overnight, you know, like Chinese, China headline comes. 
we're you know battling on the trade war front here again and we're down here we're going to delist some chinese stocks there's always something so you never have to chase there's always another trade i've lost a lot of money chasing moves so if you make money chasing by all means do it i'll tell you from my experience and as a prop trader i've seen a lot and you too joel we're in the prop world for a long time we've seen a lot of traders come and go almost all of them have similar tendencies that they like are scrambling around looking for the next idea, grabbing this chart, grabbing this, you know, this one's going, I got to jump on this train. And what happens is they're jumping on a moving train. And a lot of times they fall into the tracks. I like to jump on the train when it's not moving, when it's in consolidation station beyond meat, for instance, that's not a bad trade. I mean, it's up now this morning, but you know, if you were looking at it in the Friday and saying we're in consolidation station here, and you know and, and you know 131 i could stop myself out i'm gonna you know see and risk myself five bucks and see if this thing's got more legs well this morning it's getting legs because the overall market so there's always another opportunity you never have to chase all right i just wanted to do real quick we uh we looked at the merc that was moving on. i just want this novavax i just want everyone to be aware that it was much much higher than where it's trading now so you're like you're all happy it's up 689 NVAX. Um, yeah, NVA with a 63.19. Chasing, okay. people chasing, getting murdered. There you murdered. go, great example. Moderna, great. you guys, you know, whoever was chasing that up at $93, it's 67 bucks. Gilead, whoever is chasing, $86 on the day of the news. I sold it them. And, you know, that's what you've got to do is when you get these spikes, you take the money and run especially on these, these vaccine plays. These vaccine stocks, they, yeah. they, This has happened again and again and again, where you get positive news from some trial and they rip it higher. And by the time the thing opens, it's already given up half the gains. And then in some cases, it gives it all back. So Gilead's case gives it all back. Moderna's case gives it all back. Could Novavax give it all back? It could. I'm not saying it's going to, but this trend was definitely down for four days. There are people coming in this morning and saying, oh man, I bought $55 last week. I can get my money back. Sell, 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 sold to you. So you've had a huge spike. You're not buying it cheap. I mean, this thing was $20 at the beginning of May. Now, so we've got over 60. Don't, so don't, quote, don't quote me on this, but like, was it the Gilead? Didn't a lot of these companies saying that they're like, they're like, they're not going to make a lot of money off these? Was, did I, don't quote me on that, but I, I thought that, you know, Gilead and some of these other companies were, I mean, I don't know if they're just doing this, to, you know, for, um, benevolent causes or whatever, but you know, when these stocks are rallying and you got to think about when they're coming to market, how much they're going to charge, you know, when it's going to fall through the bottom line, that doesn't make any difference right now, but eventually, eventually it will. And I think that's what, you know, Gilead, I mean, like you said, when it had those pops, yeah, it was good news. Everyone to hear it, but in reality, when and how much is it going to add to the bottom line? Not much. Not much at all. For a Novavax, it probably would be significant, smaller company. But yeah, when you see these mega, you know, and, and Gilead's a mega cap. When you see these $100 billion companies rallying 10, 15% on, you know, a potential therapy, it's a selling opportunity because the math doesn't add up. It's, it is all about the math, Joel. Um, and you can look at, you know, when you got a small company like Moderna, it can really rally because it's so small on the market cap. Like what's the market cap of NVAX, Spencer? 
So it's uh, gonna have. A, I, I have it not adjusted for this morning's action, so I can. What tell is you what, what was it then? Tell you what it was. Uh, give me a second to look it up. <laughs> uh, I, Craig Johnson's here in the background, so I'll bring. Yeah, Craig, bring Craig on. I'll bring Craig on in a second here, but Novavax, I'm seeing market cap of uh, one billion dollars. Yeah, so a billion dollar company. So I mean, it makes plus, a big difference plus to 20, them. Plus twenty percent. Or whatever yeah. it's up today. So, so a billion too. I mean, it's a small company, so that's why you see these wicked rallies on these smaller vaccine plays. You're not going to see when Merck's trading up four percent because they're buying a vaccine play. It's probably a selling opportunity because, again, Merck is a huge pharmaceutical company, one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. Is it worth four or five percent more today because of a vaccine play? Probably not. That's why Gilead was a sell on its news. So it all depends on the size of the company too. But when you get these wicked rallies on these mega caps. Sometimes it's a selling opportunity. Let's bring in Craig. He has been spot on from our last time he was on the show. Craig, what's going on? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back on the show. Well, we have Looks you back like because you, be, were, uh... you were spot on. If you were wrong, we wouldn't have had you back. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it should be, though, right? If you're wrong and uh, wrong for too long, you shouldn't be back on. You should. Uh, you got to. You got to stay on these trends. For some reason, they but, invited uh, me back. Guys, on, thanks. Though. <laughs> so I was arguing with you on some of these stock picks that you did last time. When was Craig on? Let's go just back to the yeah. tape. He was on. We were around 2,800 on the SPY. Craig was on on April 9th, and he April was extremely bullish, and we were very skeptical, and look who's talking now. There we go. So what, what, the, question, the big question is, though, what is Craig's opinion now? Now that we're up 20, you know, 200 S&P handles from the month and a half going down, is Craig still bullish? I'm still bullish. I'm sticking with my 3,600 year-end price objective on the S&P 500. I do think that this market does have to perhaps consolidate a little bit over the summer months, but I've always been thinking that this market probably gets stuck in some sort of trading range somewhere around 3,000-ish near the 200-day moving average, and then the lower end is around 2,800. And a week or so ago, we tried to push through 2,800. It couldn't, uh, didn't happen. And uh, now we're testing the upper end of that range. And just from a technical chart perspective, if you look at the entire decline from the February highs to the, to the March 20 lows, we're going to be testing right up to that 61.82% uh, level, which was right around 2950. And if we go test the next Fibonacci level, you're going to be looking at about 3115. So somewhere here between the 200-day moving average and that 3115, I think we got to take a breather and see this market go sideways. But it's just going to be one of these, um, I think you called it uh, uh, consolidation uh, at the station, something rallies, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, then I think you're going to sort of move higher into year end once we get some clarity on what the election looks like. Craig, how do you come up with a 3,600 target? I mean, um, obviously technicals are a part of it, but you're also looking at the overall picture here. How do you come up with that target? So when you go to McDonald's, you ask him what's in the Big Mac sauce? <laughs> he doesn't want to talk. He's got the secret huh? sauce. No, no, but listen, listen, listen. I'm, I'm happy to tell you. And let, me, let me tell you something. I learned how to set these price objectives from a gentleman by the name of Ralph Acampora, who I'm sure yep. has been on your show. Yep. He learned it from a gentleman by the name of Ralph Rodnam, who learned it from somebody by the name of Charles Dow and those, and those folks going back a lot of years. So what I do is I look at point and figure objectives on every single stock in the Dow. I sum it up. I divide it out by the Dow divisor. And then I make a ratio looking from the Dow over to the S&P 500. And that's how I set my, my price objectives. 
it's been a pretty um, good way to set price objectives because it has nothing to do with earnings. And right now, we have no idea what earnings are for a lot of companies. It all has to do on that forward-looking discounting mechanism called the market. And uh, my numbers have only been getting stronger. In fact, since I was on the show last, I went and I updated that model. It hasn't changed plus or minus 2% since I've sent that objective back in November, December. So, I mean, we're moving in the right direction. We're continuing to see uh, states open up. We're continuing to see some of the shutdowns set aside. We just got through Memorial Day and we didn't have a massive, uh, you, know, uh, you know, second wave start to come in. And I got to tell you, we are truly climbing the wall of worry out there right now. And as I've been saying to a lot of folks uh, last week, I think we have to rip the rearview mirror off the car at this point in time and not drive in the rearview mirror because we're looking forward at this point in time. As we're starting to see things open up, we're seeing that the infection levels are not as, as, as high as people were thinking. And at this point in time, I feel very comfortable with my 3,600 year end objective, and I'm actually starting to see the street starting to come up toward that number. Craig, give us some stock picks. Is there anything that you gave us Darden Restaurants last time you were on, and it's up, it's up pretty good from last time, uh, from April the 9th. Uh, what else are you looking at? What's, if you can't get specific stocks, what sectors would you be looking at here? Obviously, we had an incredible rally in tech. Um, what are your thoughts here on specific stocks? So I love giving people opinions, right? And again, keep in mind, I'm not always going to be right, but I like to have an opinion. And I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest tragedies on Wall Street and the sell side right now is people come out and they say, well, this, and then maybe that, that, and they don't give you a real answer. I like to be very straightforward and concise. We should be right now overweight the tech sector. We should be overweight consumer cyclicals, and we should be overweight healthcare. Okay. We should be underweight basic materials, communication, media, and the utility sector. And again, this is all based upon the Piper Sandler long-term standing total return relative strength work that we have done here at this firm since the early 1980s, um, started by a gentleman by the name of Steve Luthold. And uh, those are what that work is telling us to do right now. Individual stocks, I called out in our morning research report, uh, Abiomed, ABMD, we like big locks, ticker big. We like NVIDIA, NVDA. We like uh, Pluralsight, PS. We also like Take-Two Interactive. Now, stocks we don't like, right, that look weak. Equity Residential, Cooper Companies, ticker COO, Mondelez, MDLZ, Mylan, MYL, and also OmniCell, OMCL. Those all look technically weak to us. So, again, from my perspective, thinking about the market, thinking about the backdrop, Number one rule of investing comes to mind for me, which is we don't want to fight the Fed. We want to find that best relative strength out there, and we want to get squarely positioned for it. I'm not saying day trade it, but if we look out one year from now, uh, I think we're going to be very pleased. And some of our longer-term models, like our 40-week technique and our 26-week new highs indicators, guys, they both flipped into buy signals in the last couple of weeks. And I continue to see the breadth of this market expanding. And as that plays out, this market's going to continue to work higher. And I've said here on the show before that when the market breadth got as weak as it got uh, in March and April and time frame, it's like putting that beach ball below the waterline, and then you take your hand off and you watch it snap back. Again, there's going to be this FOMO rally. I think it's happening. And with today's price action moving above that 200-day moving average, 
I really think that uh, you're going to see a lot of the computers start to kick in. You're going to see a lot of people saying, I've missed a big chunk of this move. Gr begrudgingly, they have to participate, not from a day trading perspective, because I agree with you. Some of these drug stocks that have gotten way bit up have sold off. I'm just saying looking out six and 12 months from now, you'll have some great opportunities. And I usually see these breadth measures really substantially move higher from here. So by 3,600, I think is a very good number. We're on the line with Craig Johnson, Managing Director, Technical Market Strategist for Piper Sandler. Uh, I did not hear you mention the banking sector or their financials. Uh, could you just make a brief comment on those sectors? So I go through and I look at the charts and I look at all these sectors. Now I've got financials rated neutral at this point in time. And as you guys recall, and for all the listeners, I put the whole market into a normal distribution, three overweight sectors, three underweight sectors, which I mentioned, and then six neutrals. Financials fit into a neutral from my perspective at this point in time. I look at charts like Wells Fargo, US Bank, some of these names. They don't look very constructive technically at this point in time. I just hope that the financial sector can at least be sort of an inline neutral participator because if we see a divergence with the financial sector versus the rest of the market, we're going to have some challenges in the future. Not today, not tomorrow, but in the future. And right now, uh, they are sort of a weak participant at this point in time. Um, so from my perspective, I still think of those as a neutral. We do own some of those things in the model that we run. We own things in there like Allstate, American Express, CME Group, Goldman, MasterCard, um, Truist Financial. So we got a pretty good diversified mix of pieces inside the financial sector, but I need to see more from them. And stocks like Visa and MasterCard still look like names that should still be bought. There's a trend like your online retailing you were mentioning before you brought me on that's not going away. There's going to be even more done with Apple Pay and more done with credit cards and done with cash going forward. And then, Craig, just following up on that, I don't, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned energy, but you definitely didn't mention real estate. So I want to ask you about those two sectors as well. So thoughts in terms of energy. I mean, talk about a sector that has been absolutely dragged through the mud at this point in time, right? So there's a lot of negativity out there. There's a fear of further bankruptcies, those kind of things. Some of that is sort of getting alleviated. It's like, it's like somebody's got the boot on your neck at this point in time for the energy sector, and they just sort of kind of took their foot back a little bit as oil prices have started to, to rebound to a degree. I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect by any stretch, but they've been so beaten up, so beaten down, that they're certainly due for a relief rally that could be more uh, protracted, extended in time than what people are looking for. And I got to tell you, from all the calls that I've done since publishing this month's Informed Investor book, which I titled Pause Before the Pop, and that's going to be the pop into your end at 3600 I got to tell you, nobody cares about the energy sector. Nobody's interested in it at all. And therefore, I'm starting to find some opportunities out there. Stocks like Helix, HLX, look really interesting to me on the small microcap side. And I still continue to think some of the larger cap plays, um, such as uh, Chevron, still look interesting to me. We own Pioneer Natural Resources in our, uh, in our model portfolio, along with Kinder Morgan and EOG. Now, in terms of the real estate side of things, um, those were kind of your bond proxy substitutes that and utilities. So I think you're going to see those names potentially weaken 
because we think 10-year bond yields are going higher into year end toward a dollar toward 1.50 to 1.75%, which is a meaningful move from the 60 and change basis points we are now. But you can't print all this money into perpetuity and not eventually get some sort of inflation stoked. And I think you will start to see uh, 10-year bond yields move up gradually and at a measured pace that will not cause any disruption to markets or equities, but will be done on a gradual basis. Uh, Craig, do you re- recommend any hedging tactics for your for your clients? You know, we haven't really done much in terms of hedging tactics. I would say, though, if this is a market that is going to be sort of flat going through the summer months, you know, once we get up to this kind of 3,000, 3,115-ish level, which is uh, that uh, 70, which is that uh, 76.4% FIB level, um, what I would say is write some covered calls. And if you get some of the stuff pulled away from you, so be it. I think that could be an option for, a, for people to think about if they want to trade it, not only from an institutional perspective, but certainly from an individual investor perspective. It's a pretty safe way to generate some additional income. All right, Craig, we've been easy on you so far. How about the auto, <laughs> how about the, uh, the auto sector? Uh, you know, I am personally waiting for the Ford Bronco. Okay. That's on my shopping list of things that I want to get. Um, as I look at the auto sector, I highlighted that in this month's publication. I also highlighted Tesla as probably one of the uh, more constructive, interesting looking stocks. I look at Ford, I look at GM, and they really have not participated to the same degree as a lot Ever. of other areas. Such, <laughs> Correct. And so as I look at those names, uh, even though I want to get a Ford Bronco, uh, when it comes out, hopefully soon, I still look at these uh, stocks as there's other places that I'd rather be. All right, Craig Johnson, as we mentioned, is a managing director uh, and technical market strategist at Piper Sandler. Craig was on the money when he was on in early April, and uh, we loved his commentary today. Craig, thanks so much for the time. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. Eight. Uh, 50 here, guys. Uh, just inching up towards the highs of the session. 3015, that stands as your high. We backed off, but we didn't back off much. Uh, not much in here for you. Uh, as I said, 3025.75, your March 6 high. That's when uh, the Fed uh, started the first of their uh, several moves. You know, after that, I mean, the only reason I cheated and had up to thirty seventy one on my uh, on my sheet today was <laughs> when you look at the spoos and they're up, you know, forty handles uh, at Sunday. At um, it was early, it was early in the morning, and I was watching it trade a little bit around news yesterday. It's only re- you know reason I cheated up to that area. So. Uh, Everything point north at this point, Triple D. Are you seeing anything there that's just not keeping up with the market? Did we lose Triple oh, D? Oh, he muted himself. <laughs> Look at muted? this. Look at that. It's been a while since I screwed that up. <laughs> I love that. Joel, Joel's been on a roll, too. He hasn't muted himself for a while there. So, yeah, the old mute trick. Uh, looking at imbalances, so just quickly. Uh, again, what you're saying, so this is a rally across the board. What we're seeing down here this morning, if I'm looking, I'm only seeing a few defensive names. Clorox trading in the red. Again, that moves counter to the market as of late. But, you know, gold stocks. But uh, from an imbalance standpoint, a lot of buy imbalances and across the board. We're going to open strong. 
Coca-Cola, 343000 to buy. You think of that as a defensive stock, but not so defensive here this morning. Um, right now trading up a buck twenty-seven, and obviously good reason with the big buying balance that's sitting there. Bank of America, six hundred fifty-four thousand to buy. Citigroup, hundred twelve thousand to buy. AT and T, six hundred ninety-five thousand to buy. Even AT and T having a rally here. Thoughts? Let's just stop at AT and T for a second, because and Verizon, because here's two communication companies that have not participated really in the rally at all. Um, Verizon actually in the last month is down four bucks, and AT and T, if we're looking. Um, again, you know, this has been a rotation. We know into tech, tech has led the charge. These companies don't have the growth. Is there a place for AT&T in your portfolio at 6.83% dividend? It's up a buck here or a half a buck here this morning. I, I don't know. I, I, I sold my AT&T a you've while ago. You've never been a big I've fan. Never, because yeah. I think the margins eventually get squeezed. I think they have a lot of businesses that aren't doing well. I like to buy good companies that are operating, you know, with growth. I just don't see where the growth is coming for, for AT&T, which is why I've always kind of been uh, a little bit shy on it. But the six, the 6.83% dividend is attractive. All right. Let's just take a look at the AT&T chart. And it's sleepy. It's up 56 cents. I mean, doesn't look like it's getting away from you. Uh, major resistance. Uh, the re high of the rebound has uh, been 31.05. So keep an eye, see if there's some uh, paper stacked at uh, 31 even. Uh, let's look at Verizon. Verizon is trading up 50 cents. Uh, that's a ways from its um, its high of the move. But um, let's see what happens with 54.64. You're opening in your two-day high, your three-day high, uh, 54. Uh, 90 and uh, Triple D, I, I just made the comment that I liked your laugh. And I, you know who your laugh kind of reminded me of there? And I don't, I think you're going to have to be like over 40 to know who the, uh, who this is, this cartoon character. But uh, do you remember Precious Pop? No. No. What about you, <laughs> Welcome to the 30s. <laughs> no, no. What show Sorry. was Precious Pop off of? That what uh, I think uh, Precious Pop had its own show. Oh. And it was like the laugh was, you know, definitely a before sneaky, my time. A real sneaky laugh like that. We'll have it, to find it. Maybe we'll. I didn't want to do that it for a different trip than yet. my normal laugh. Uh, whatever that, <laughs> laugh, that laugh you just did. <laughs> See, I tried a couple different it, laughs. It, is there. Precious Pop related to Underdog? I know that one. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you date on. yourself so much on this show. And I, I never know, know any of his. I never know any of his because it's all from like the 1950s. No, it's later than that. I bet you someone does. I bet you Spinner does. Spinner better Precious remember pop. that. Yeah. Yep. All right. We got uh, six minutes here to the close. As I said, S&Ps yeah. are pumping up near the it, highs of the session. I'm struggling to find a stock today that I want to come out and buy here because we're up. We're we're trading up this much. I'm just not jumping into stocks. So can I give you one. Can give I give me you something. one? And give this is something. this is not based on anything other than mania, but the the SpaceX launch is tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Is to, that's tomorrow. There, it's the first. Uh, Looks good. Uh, first uh, man, manned mission uh, yeah. uh, with the SpaceX rocket. They're going on the ISS launches tomorrow. I would bet there is a ton of enthusiasm over the next few days and weeks about the space industry. Uh, about Did they space do an offering. SpaceX did who do an offering? A, a space, I believe they did an offering recently. Uh, I, like they did an offering. I mean, yeah, 
they probably did something. 15, 15. They need to raise some that money. was from last week. Yeah. Okay. So in any case, I mean, I'm looking at SPC or UFO. I would just, this is just a bet on enthusiasm, yeah. but I bet you there's a, I mean, it's going to dominate the news tomorrow. All right. You found actually a chart I don't mind here. Um, we'll start we the go. trade up for you here. Spencer Israel coming to the rescue. Double bottom from the last two days, $14.62. That's your stop out. Um, do I want to buy it up 3.62%? Oh, what? Really. I don't know if you're going to get three percent, Dennis. Come on, what's three percent? You know what's three percent on space? I, I, there's room to twenty bucks here. So uh, on a pullback here, yeah. You know what? I don't mind the space trade SPCE. Uh, Fourteen sixty-two again would be my stopout point. So again, on any trade, know where your out is. Before I put the trade on, I was like, I look at it, I was like, okay, that's where I'm going to get out if it doesn't work out right. You know, mostly for swing trades that is. Obviously, when you do different arbitrage strategies, it's different, but. For the most part, I'm looking when I'm doing a swing trade setup. I'm like, okay, I see a setup here. It looks like nice support down at the $15 area. Yep. So uh, that's, you know, how I'm looking at it here too, is uh, I'd stop myself out on the double bottom there, room to 20. So and if and you've got a story coming, that's even better, you know? So if you've got some type of catalyst coming up, that's even better. I love the pre-catalyst play where you have something coming up in the next few days and you see a run-up before. We know I talk about the earnings run-ups all the time, you know, and obviously NVIDIA was a great one for earnings run-up. It was running way up into the reports. So catalysts are awesome. You, t you say you've got a catalyst here, which I didn't know about with the SPCE. It's up here a little bit this morning. Maybe you could get her at $16, right in yep. the low 16s. Yep. Stop yourself out for a buck and a half. It's, yes, it's 10%, but it's a wild stock. I don't mind the setup here. I like I like Spencer's. Real and, and again, this has nothing to do with Virgin. There's nothing to do with the company. Virgin Galactic has nothing to do with the launch tomorrow. I'm just betting Excellent. on Tesla. I'm just betting enthusiasm on the space trade. That's all. Right. That's all this is. This has nothing to do with people with, will be searching for tickers. Uh, SPC, right, exactly. and that's it. Uh, what Dennis uh, talked about, you know, we getting in at 16, which would be near the top of the range from yesterday or from Friday, several days ago. So if you're buying at 16 and using the close as a stop, 1574, I don't know if they're going to get it unchanged. Things really open up on the upside to 1680. And you happen to get right there in the pre-market trading, right at 430, you got to 1679. So if you're willing to risk, you know, 30, 35 cents, 16, 16, 10, you know, why not take a look at that at that pre-market high, which coincides with Friday's high? More tickers, Spencer. You came up with a good one there. Yeah, Give me one on. more. Oh, uh, I'm down. I don't have any more. <laughs> I've looked through a lot of charts this morning, and I'm not seeing a lot of things I want to chase. No. Um, well, thanks, Joel. You, you know what, Dennis? It's worth noting that ASCO was this week, the American Society of Clinical Oncologists. Mm -hmm. So there's pro it's, it's going to be virtual. There's probably going to be some headlines from, uh, from cancer-related drugs and cancer companies. Um, I couldn't tell you who. Merck will be involved, as they always are. But I don't know. Maybe watching for ASCO headlines, but I, I couldn't really tell there's, I got nothing else. One tick I like off. the sell on Merck. <laughs> That's my pick for the day. Sell on Merck and his strength, but it's already off. It's already off from those highs. Yeah, so up, you get that thing up near 80, I think it's a good short. That's just a day trading call. Okay. And uh, as far as the S&Ps go, I'd, you know, we right knocking on the door, the pre-market high, you know, why not test that March 6? I had 30.25.75. That'd be a little bit above uh, our nine-day average trading range, but hey, why not? Hey, here's one. What do you do with cannabis here? It had a huge week last week. Yeah, Canopy good. growth, Kronos. Uh, the, the, the six cannabis ETFs were like the best performing ETFs 
overall uh, on for non-levered ETFs last week. Just it was a, a huge massive week led huge. by ACB. ACB right. was the was the catalyst that got us going here. I mean, I, I there's a there's a play here to buy these things on pullbacks. They're they're getting some love here now, so it's been a while. Valuations don't make any sense. But valuations don't make sense on a lot of things, so it doesn't matter. Um, you get a pullback in some of these pot stocks. They're interesting now. They're at least showing life. They've been showing death for the last year. So now that they're showing life. I think that's you know an opportunity. Maybe if you get a pullback again, I'm not going to chase stocks, but there's definitely some opportunities there. Um, you know, VFF was one that really went on Friday, and I was looking at this one. I'm kicking myself because I was looking at it around four bucks when it started to break out there. Uh, Village Farms, that is, and you know, boom, it just blasts off, and now it's five ninety-five this morning. So now you look at it and you're like, all right, I missed the boat on this one. I'm not buying it at five ninety-one when it's four dollars two days ago. So it's up fifty percent in two days, but. There's opportunities here. Free is starting to show some life here above $4, trying to break out a little bit there. CGC, CRON, all having good days this morning, but again, hard to chase. And if you're coming in this morning, a lot of these stocks are already up 5 6% this morning or more. So I don't like chasing. And that's the problem with today on the buy side. It's like Tough. if I was long stocks as trades, I'd be ringing the register on a few of these. And remember, just because we're up doesn't mean your stock's necessarily going to go up. Uh, Teladoc was trading up earlier this morning. It's turned to the red. Zoom, we know some of these stocks move counter to the market. Peloton, if you're a Peloton investor, you're wondering why is my stock down when every other stock is up? Because this is a play against the reopening. And we are having a reopening rally here this morning. That's why Peloton, it's benefiting from the, the lockdown. So as we reopen, you will see money possibly coming out of a stock like Peloton. Gaming stocks probably going to have a weaker day today. I'm sticking with my Activision. I might take two some of these because um, I still think the gaming um, has turned a corner here, and I think it's still uh, there's still a play. Even you know, I think I think they could show some weakness. Like you know, maybe if you're a day trader, you take some profits here. But as a long-term investor in these companies, I still believe in them. So, all right, I'm going to hop uh, off, hop yep. off here. Go on hotmike.io. Uh, we missed a lot of symbols here. You can join me under code. Joel 317 and I'll be covering the stocks that we missed here in the chat. So everyone have a good day. Yep. Thanks to everyone who joined us today. Thanks to our guest, Craig Johnson. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Joel and I will be back at 340. Everyone have a great rest of your Tuesday and good luck out there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.